0: Microphone check 1-2 what is this? It's the 5'7 assassin in the podcast business. I am your host, Rohan Patra, the Rap Music Plug at your service. Here we are again at the end of a rainbow. Get, stuck. Get, stuck. get stuck, get stuck, The Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC TV is the remedy to the I don't have anything good to listen to problem. Through in-depth album and song reviews, as well as artist interviews and general rap commentary sprinkled in between on all of what the mainstream and underground rap scenes have to offer, this is your one-stop shop to knowing what to add to your queue, play next, or pop into your record player. Welcome to the show. What is up, family? Today, I am joined by someone who has authored two entries into last year's best of list that i made in never at peace vegas vic member of the wrecking crew host of the call out culture podcast who hails from the home of the cheesesteak nick Foles, philly's own zilla rocca how
1: are you doing man what's going
2: on Dave? this is this is fantastic thanks for having me on
1: Yo. Roller hockey, rollerblading, and she asked my family sold diamonds off the last name. I said no relation. First vacation, watching MTV Diary, or making of the video. Black stiletto, pretty toes. Wrote a so here it goes. She hiked up her school skirt, flannel boxers under. catholic school, us caged up youth. No wonder.
0: No man, I'm excited, very excited to have you on. I like I there's so much to talk about as it relates to just not only your music, but just kind of like how you approach your career. I think there's a lot that people can can get from that, because I think there's mm. a lot to learn. And I think your music, like especially this last album, you really get into some of that. And I, I find mm. it really interesting.
2: Thanks, dude. I, I, I'm i I'm grateful when people can uh, use my 15 years of failure and two years of success to, to get something good out of it. I'm happy. For, I'm happy to contribute. <laughs>
0: So, so like a, a super obvious theme that one can get from your music is just that you're really passionate about hip hop and you truly love it. It's super clear. So how would you say that you really first got into it
2: and what did, what really drew you in? I Just think, cause when I was young, rap was new. So it was like the, it wasn't, you know, like Huey Lewis in the news and it wasn't like, uh, you know. Like like the things that were the big things in the '80s when I was young, like I love I love a lot of stuff like like Madonna and like Adam and Michael Jackson, but it was like rap was like the even newer than that, and it wasn't you couldn't just hear rap like everywhere you could hear Michael Jackson or Prince, it was like it was like a secret society, you know what I mean? It was like you you could see Run DMC a little bit, you could see Fat Boys a little bit, but it was like oh like they're like clean, it's safe, like they're yeah. fine here and there to sprinkle in um and then once you hit like you know even even was like hammer and like run dmc and like uh, i mean um you know, ice and young mc tone low these like the mid to late 80s when it was like again you didn't hear of a lot of rappers but if you did they were like five million sales pepsi commercials and then once so i was into that and then once you hit like early 90s like gangster rap when it was like, whoa, 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 like we're blurring all this stuff out. Like this is yeah, congressional yeah. hearings. That's when I was like, Oh, I have to get into this. I have to. And that's like <laughs> it's like what we go through now when everybody wants to censor people or be like, get rid of that, ban that. It makes people be like, Oh, what is it? You know, what yeah, I mean? so it's exactly. like that's if people weren't so up in arms about NWA and E.Z.E. E and Dr. Dre and Snoop, I probably would have been like, Oh, like rap's cool, you know. All right, you know, so I like some of those songs. When it was like, again, like Tone Loke and Young MC and It Takes Two to Make a Thing Go Right. But mm-hmm. then once it got like really dangerous and rebellious, I was like, okay, now I'm dedicated to this. Like I have to discover it. I have to buy it, hide it from my parents, <laughs> talk to all my friends about it. So that that, that actually really <laughs> indoctrinated us.
0: I find that interesting to hear from like someone like you who came up and like grew up when it was still developing as in a genre, because Mm-hmm. I got into hip-hop, like, obviously, I'm a little younger. It was, like, mainly 2005. It was, like, mm. late registration, kept seeing. Okay. And I was, it's off just, like, my experience to get into it was just, it was the, the we I, I reaped the fruit of, like, all of that work because it was mm. the new thing. It was, like, dominating the much music video charts. That's all I would right. watch in the morning. It would be so fun. And, uh, yeah, the whole idea of the controversy, that's, like, interesting because that wasn't, yeah like eminem was still popping but even then that's he his controversial peak was still before me like by a yes. few years like he yes. he was just popular at that point like there was you know he didn't really dominate things i think the closest is kanye but like that doesn't compare at all in terms of like the the no. true vitriol towards like correct entire groups of people because of like nwa and shit like that so
2: yeah like eminem being big in 05 was like still rock stations playing him still winning grammys yeah still having mo- like his controversy was like more about gay and lesbian rights when the slim shady lp hit yeah you know and then him being sued over like samples or um stuff with him and his mom like her being on like trashy daytime tv shows but it wasn't like oh this is destroying our children like mm-hmm. it was <laughs> i feel the early night like a late 80s early 90s it was like he was an acceptable rascal you know, yeah, like yeah, he's dangerous, but he just made Interscope eighty million this year. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, and they were okay with that.
0: You know, one other thing, obvious, is that you're from Philly, and that's something that's like always bleeding into your music. And how do you find that's influenced your music, but also just your career, like being from Philly? Well,
2: that's a great question, dude. I think what people in Philly understand is. Like there is, there's not a lot of beauty here. Like, <laughs> like it's like that picture of the album, which is like my desktop background too for my son. You know that that's a. I mean, I, I played basketball in that building behind him. Um, I went swimming in that pool. He and I live around there, and like it's grimy. You know what I mean? And it's not like we're struggling, but Philly isn't there to make you feel good. Like it's not designed to be like, hey, you can make it here. Like, hey, there's mm-hmm. like there's like agents here and like press, like we're close enough to things to make it happen, but it's not like a built-in system here compared to New York, Atlanta, Houston, LA, places like that. So I think what what people in Philly innately understand is like, I have to make it happen and, mm. and I will make it happen by just outworking you. And it's, and so like, that's kind of like the myth we tell ourselves because we don't have, like easy passports to to just pop off here. Yeah. So yeah. like no Philly rapper is ever big because they stayed in Philly. They all had to leave. Like Fresh Prince went to overseas and toured. Then he went New York. Then he toured the world with Jazzy Jeff. He didn't like stay in Philly and cake out. Um you know and then that's and then that he's the first one. So even with the roots overseas tour the world do all these things first before Philly even embraced them. So it gives you that edge of like i'm going to outlast people just because i'm i the grind isn't foreign to me so a lot of people that i came up with are people that were popping when i was really trying to pop they're gone you know what i mean like they're just out of here
3: mm-hmm. and
2: it's not like i've taken their place or anything but i feel like having that idea of like we 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 get what we work for here it goes a long way it's cheesy to say and like even my friends that are in the higher highest places you can be in the music industry like two steps from the biggest people out in the world they always say the higher up you go even in the major label industry you meet more people from philly you know what i mean like behind the scenes so it was always mm-hmm. really fascinating to me to hear that but i was like but it makes sense because we're just we're just never going to quit and It's just easy yeah. to say but i don't really know people from philly that um don't latch on and do stuff you know like i've known people in the philly rap scene and i'm and working for obama <laughs> damn they were in the philly hip-hop scene and then but it's like we just keep doing it like I, I don't know how else to explain it like philly just has like a lot of longevity to to our artists and our uh our cultural exports i guess you could say
0: and and uh one thing i i as i mentioned in the intro here is that i feel like that probably helped you Helped you kind of sharpen not only like your musical craft, but like your gr- like the musical career part of it, the marketing. Because like you said, you had to, you couldn't just go like, oh, I'll just go to these pop ass bars that like everybody mm-hmm. goes to that has like a, a culture of like all the greatest talent. Like, I, I have a curious question. Actually, how far sure. are you from New York City? How far is Philly? So
2: Philly, Philly's about ninety minutes south. Oh shit! Right. Okay, so, so be, that that explains right, a lot. The, yeah. Right. So you so like all of us go to New York a lot. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy. It's cheap. Um, but even when you go to New York, it's like, it's like Philly on steroids, just like the amount of people and the amount of movement. It's like my, my friend always used joke about doing shows in Philly. He was like, in Philly, you have to tell 500 people to get 50 people to come to a show in New York. You tell 50 people and 500 show up because everyone in New York is used to like coming and going and moving around. Yeah. Whereas in Philly, it's like, well, How far is that from where I live? Is that more than 10 minutes? How much is the cover? Is it more than 10 bucks? Well, it's like people here in terms of like music and and culture and art, they're not like, Oh, like I'm just out in the bed all the time. I go to this bar, I go here in Philly. It's like you're, you have to shake a lot of trees to get, you know, to get opportunities to fall out of it. Where in New York, there's just so many people. (laughs) It's like, Mm -hmm. it it would be weird if 50 people aren't at, at a venue.
0: That's interesting, yeah, like obviously, I don't like where I live ottawa, um it's not similar in a lot of ways that you're describing. but the part that i I latch onto to is the idea that you're like close enough we're you're actually like way, way closer, but mm-hmm. we're still close enough to montreal We're about like a two hour drive to give or take, and then Toronto's about a four and a half five hour drive Whew, that's, a rough, that's the. That's rough. But that's the classic thing where everybody's like in ottawa but they all want to leave because you're just close to the fun shit, and like those are the two biggest things to have any concerts entertainment in canada like right so you get this weird complex i find like you get this weird Mm. like inferiority complex or just like oh yeah nothing happens in ottawa and it's such a self-fulfilling prophecy sometimes
2: yeah like philly used to feel like that and then like in the last 12 15 years we had a huge influx of restaurants bars chefs like our food is amazing and we Mm -hmm. had like for a while before like diplo and then blew up we had like hollertronics parties where him and like low budget they were here doing shows like all the baltimore club music and all that we had like freeway and and uh pd crack doing a lot of stuff and then meek mill like we had like a run where things were all kind of rising at the same time whereas now i just feel like everything's more decentralized so you don't really have to. Be in the like physically be in spots to blow up you know with the internet yeah um but if you still don't feel like you can go like you said go to somewhere where something can happen that night it still is it's still like do you want to do it or not do you want to make that that run
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah
0: yeah um I want to get into this vegas Vic album okay. I find it's interesting in a lot of different ways and just off the jump, I love that album title and I love that album cover. And I think I heard you talk about this on another podcast. I think it was Call of Culture when you were talking okay. about this album. But what's the thought process behind that album title? Uh, Vegas Vic.
2: Yeah, man, it's um, at the time, I just it was like just a phrase I liked, you know, like in the in the Daily News in Philly, they would have. Um, you would go like the sports, right? And, when I was a kid growing up, like we always, we were in high school. We, we would get the daily news every day, cause you would be in study hall or be on the train, you know, we wouldn't have cell phones. So we were just like all hoard the daily news to see what, what was happening in sports and gossip and news and, and the sports section of a, a thing called Vegas Vic, where he would do picks mm. being like, all right, tonight, tonight, I like Georgetown given three and a half Vegas, Vic, six pack of picks, whatever. And so, um, and then that's the name, like the giant neon, uh, dude in las vegas the cowboy um and so i just always thought that was ill ill play on words um just how it sounded and then like a loose alias i had when we did the wu-tang pole record was Vic sage and like i'll say Vic every once in a while on mm-hmm. songs so i just like oh that'd be fun for me to, like throwing a song so i made the song vegas vic uh with darko produced it um darko to super shouts to him and um we made we were making songs making a record and me and disco vietnam we were like going through the album like what, what are we going to call this thing?" because originally it was titled higher gun and so i was like yeah i think higher guns like not as strong anymore the more songs we're making and so we we're talking talking and talking and we were just like both came to a consensus like "We has to be called vegas vic um and i was thinking that's cheating like i don't like the name stuff after mm-hmm. i just don't like that i feel like it should be bigger than a song um but then once i picked it i was like the album is not a vegas album you know what i mean it's not like about going to the sands or going to on some oceans Eleven. Mm-hmm. but i was like i've always loved those things and i was like what is it like does that what does that phrase mean about me you know i've been to vegas i've been to atlantic city a million times but i was like it's really about doing this all and like owning your stuff meaning like yeah you take control you bet on yourself. And that's something I've all—I've just been betting on myself
3: mm-hmm.
2: since like 2004. And the, most of the times I lost. It's like going to a casino. You're going to lose a lot. Or even like playing what's in the stock market. Like you're going to lose a lot. Because you can't time like when things are going to hit. You don't know. And so people get sucked into that world. Now it's like with the NFTs and crypto. like, oh, I'm just going to like jump in and jump out and make a bag of money.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: it's like, you could. But mostly the house is going to take you, bro. Like yeah. the odds are not in your favor to, to get a bag of money really quick. So I think Vegas Vic over time, after he and I picked it, I was like, it's really about like betting on yourself. And so the record, when I looked at it, I was like, yo, I'm not, I'm not calling in a lot of favors. Like we, we don't have the names like we've had on other records before, where I had like Rock Marcy and Geechee Suede and Nature mm. and Malik B and j Zone and Blockhead and Vic Spencer, like it's just me and my friends. Um, and so I was just like, I really think that's I felt good with that. I was like, I feel good where I could just bet on that to sell a record and for that to be a standalone, like, even like Disco Vietnam. Like when we started that record, he wasn't all over Pete Rosenberg, you know, he wasn't working with Ghostface and Crime mm. Apple, and Rock Marcy like that. And then he all of a sudden became like this in demand dude, like all these ter- ter- terrible SoundCloud cats, like getting out of He's like, no, I don't want to work with you, bro. I'm not, I, I don't do this to be in that space. I just want to yeah. work with who I like to work with. So it it wasn't mapped out, but then it kind of, it kind of fit, you know what I mean? It's like, it's like going like your, your parents' house or your grandma's house or something like that. And you see like one of your old relatives' jackets and it could be like from the seventies and you put on, you're like, wow, I just feel like this is always for me, this coat, you, mm-hmm. know I mean? and, you know what I mean? Like I just kind of, I kind of saw it and put it on, and I'm like, ooh. You know, this is this is right. Like, I don't have to get it fixed or anything or hemmed up. So it's in a roundabout way. That's that's really what it because that's what I thought about. It. I was like, I just always have done that. You know, I, mm-hmm. I just I've lost thousands of dollars, thousands of hours in my life. You know, but you 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 play you play these games long enough. You just stay in it and it's going to come out. It's going to come out aces for you down the line.
0: Yeah, I like I like that. That was your explanation for the title. And I like just generally when because it's not like you're it's not like you're making like you made like a concept album where you're like Vegas Vic is like this character and every which is fine if you did but Mm -hmm. you didn't do that but that's exactly what I took from it which Mm. I like when an artist can kind of communicate that in a way that's like still subtle but that's kind of what I got betting on yourself again talking about that like self-empowerment and taking shit into your own hands and I find that's really cool and it's interesting the way you said that because Vegas, obviously, like you said, the, the house usually wins, but even in like this kind of like concept, you're actually kind of saying like, the more you put in, eventually you'll get it, which is definitely not what you'd say to someone who gambles like, oh, <laughs> just keep putting money. Eventually they'll be coming out aces. That's not how it works. But yeah, like if, in the if sense, you, you go
2: did to Vegas, exactly. yeah, like if you, all my friends, we would go to Atlantic city and stuff. If you brought $200, you're gonna get wiped out quick. You know what I mean? Like you just, you're not gonna hit on playing blackjack with $200 or slots. You got to bring like a $1,000, which means you're going to sit at that table for four or five hours. You know what I mean? As long as you don't go crazy going all in. But like the time, be, like Prem's put this up tweet up yesterday, which is, I love. Prem was just like talking about, you know, Bandcamp Day and all that. And Prem was like, I used to go city to city and was thrilled if people bought one or two copies of my album, Mark's Wild Years. That's my first like with Prem. And he's like, now I just posted up on Bandcamp and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but that was a 10 year run in between when he first put it out and hoping people would buy it and losing all his money doing all these shows and traveling. And now he could just sit back and be like, oh, it's up now. I could post it on my page out of here. And that's what he said on his on his t- tweet being like, yo, you really can't substitute anything for just continually being out there and people will find you and you'll find your crowd. You know what I mean? That's that's really there's no sexiness about it but that's really the truth that, that yeah, applies to me no, I'm
1: hand me the paper with the federal seal you know the deal i want the fucking fortune like the wheel uh-uh hand me that paper with the federal seal you know the deal i want the fucking fortune like the wheel yo rap came along then it incentivizes syndicate me Merv griffin enterprises never jeopardize it. my fans double daily see me at the bar don't ever buy me failies i'm lactose
0: you Mentioned disco uh before. Like what what was his influence uh on this record specifically? Because I think this is the first time you significantly worked with him too, right?
2: Yeah, we, we've always been like, you know, like work on each other's stuff or like do songs together. Like he did Favors or Bad News One with um Armin Hammer, all future former rapper. He's done he did a song of Wu Tang Pope with Castro. Um he's he's always just been around and, and he and I have just been friends for a long time. And um, he's just an amazing musician. I think he's a really smart person. And I think he's unbelievably like pure and creative, like he's he only will do things in service of the record. Mm. And, and with that in mind, he will give you feedback that is in service to the record, not so much like what you're in love with. I mean, you may be in love with this, but he'll be like, I get it. But if you take these steps or make these changes, it gets even better. You know what I mean? And we'll try it out. And so having that trust in him, it was big because I'm so self-sufficient. After a while, you get bored of like, okay, here I am making songs by myself and everyone's just thrilled that you picked their beat and mm. they gave you a verse. Like, no one's going to sit there and be like, change that. That's not good. Like, everyone's like, especially in the age of email and producers and stuff, like, people just want to get in the mix. They're not going to sit there and be like, I don't like if you did it in my beat. I don't like mm. it. Do the second verse again. And it's not their fault. It's just like we're not together to do that. Yeah. Like we're not in the room. We don't see each other like that and have those relationships like we used to have to do. So he and I have that relationship where he can be like, nah, dude, do that song again. Like come come at it with this type of energy. Or like, actually, I liked how you did it the first time. Let's get rid of the version, the version you just did. I was wrong. Mm. So it's it's really important to have that relationship with people if you don't that's cool like i've I've done a lot of stuff totally on my own with minimal pushback from people that feels great but if if you want to go down that road to make yourself better you have to listen when someone that you trust is like this could be better bro you know what i mean yeah and just go with it even if you disagree like i don't know i don't think it can well i'll try it out it's worth giving it a chance and so he was he was pretty invaluable in that regard
0: i find it's also yeah, I find it potentially is harder to even give the feedback sometimes than on the receiving end. I find like I, I can receive feedback even if it's tough and like, you know, make changes. But mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just tough, especially if you like the person, your friends. Sometimes it's hard to be honest and be like, you know, like you said, that's a special friend that is also creative to say like, yeah, do that again. That's actually not your best work like that. It just hits a lot of, you don't want to be mean, but that that's right. that's very special. That's not easy to do. Yeah, but but you have to
2: let let people know, like it's coming out of love. Mm -hmm. It's not mean if you're like, listen, I'm saying this because I care about you. Like, and I'm gonna say it in a way that you know I care about you. If you say it like a dick, or if you're just not giving context, be like, that sucks. Mm -hmm. Do it again. Well, I'm like, f you. Like I'm hurt. You know what I mean? Like, why Mm -hmm. would you say that to me? Versus like, yo, check it. I think the energy for that is cool. But when I hear this song, I feel like the energy can be more dmx it could be more evidence it can, whoever it could be megan Thee stallion i want you to think about it like that and try it that way because i think it could it could be it, we can move it up in terms of the overall product versus yeah man i mean you just did it like that i don't know that works for me because i don't i don't want to make you sad so i'm gonna bite my tongue i'm like that's <laughs> that's not being a real friend you just have to build it mm-hmm. like you said it it's hard like it took me a long time too i used to really struggle with that Cause I don't want, I don't want to get in a conflict with somebody that I like, but they respect you more. And you're like, you know, I'm going to tell you honestly, like, it's not a good idea, man. And mm-hmm. here's why, here's why I'm not just saying it to throw you off. Like I put thought into it because I care about you. And, yeah. uh, and once, once you can develop that skill, it's, you know, it's a lot easier because people know where you stand versus yeah. like, yeah. do you really like it? Are you just, are you afraid to ruffle my feathers?
0: Yeah. And I think the results were great. Cause I, I really do feel on that Vegas, rec- Vegas, Vic record, like you, you approach songs very distinctly. Like, mm. I like that, especially it showed up in the hooks. Like I could tell that you gave like a different energy to a certain track and it made it like pop like that much more like the that. Uh, I think it's yeah, I think it's Merv Griffin ent- Enterprise, right? Where the the hook is like, right. I-, I need the fucking fortune like the wheel. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. that shit has been in my head the last few days. Nice. And, and I just feel like the way you approach it. So like that energy is a little different than on other songs. And it's so, so fucking catchy. Um, Thanks,
2: man. That beat is that beat pushed it like that. That song, that's that that my beat, favorite. Oh, my God. Oh that's man, my favorite. That, I, I was I actually got to perform it, that song once at Prem's uh, album release show in Brooklyn back in like spring, summer. It was like him, Fat Boy Sharif. Um, Woods came out and did a couple songs. It was a great night, but I was just like, I, I it was just me doing my verse because Castro couldn't pull it off and Alaska couldn't make the show. So I did like a whole intro to it and did it. But I was just like, that beat feels like running downhill. You know what I mean? Like just, or even like a football it feels like it feels like a kick return. Like Devin Hester, like breaking,
3: mm, like, like stop that. and
2: start. And then yeah. 80 yards later, gone like that beat. I remember when I heard it and I was like, and that was the name of the beat. The beat was called Merv Griffin Enterprises. And I was like, yo, that that title's crazy. And I was like, all right. I came along and incentivized this syndicate me because they just come on at the end of Wheel of Fortune, Merv, Merv Griffin Enterprises. So I was like, oh, that's crazy. And so I was like, all right. And then I kind of modeled it after um, Iron Maiden by Ghostface, the first one on Iron Man, where it's like mm. M-Ray and Kappa. And it's just like, boom, boom, boom. And it's just like so high energy, it sets it off. And so like I made it and I was like, this should be the album opener for me. I was like, no question about this album. This opens up the album. That's why there's like a. Uh, a movie clip at the beginning, mm. where dudes talking I'm like, "This sets off the album." And then when it came to arrange a range of disco view, went on when he was a Barry he was like, "Nah, bro, five dollar god opens the album," and I was like, mm, "What? Huh? No," and he's like, "Yeah, no, nah, trust me, we, we got to be subversive. We got to go Radiohead. We got to be subversive. The opener should be something that like makes you stop and ponder for a second. It shouldn't mm. be like it shouldn't be like rowdiness. Like that's what people would expect." And I was like, "Really?" And then he was right, because everyone's like always like loving five dollar (laughs)
0: guy. Like
2: that always jumps out to people. So he nailed
0: it. It hits a nice spot in the middle part of the album that Mm -hmm. really pops up. Yeah. And Alaska's I love Alaska's fucking verse on that, too. Yeah. The beat, the beat shimmers. It's like a I love its mixing, like the way it's mixed, particularly. It's just like, oh, it's great. Um, Fantastic. And and one thing I've, I've referenced this before, uh, cause I really love the comment from Dan o, free music empires that he, he was like, Oh, your hook game really increased on, on Vegas Vic. And as soon as he, I heard him say that I can't, I always have caught how good the hooks are on this album. <laughs> Thanks, and it, and it makes me just think generally as like a seasoned vet, like yourself, like how do you find you've been able to continuously improve and make refinements to your, to your craft? It's,
2: it's all effort, man. It's like, like when I when I was first starting out, I was in my first rap group, I was like the lyrical, deep, heady guy. And my rap partner was like the charismatic, pretty boy, like um, melodic, catchy dude. And so he, my hooks to me should be like Raekwon hooks or like Mob Deep hooks where it's like, it sounds like a verse and you just stack the vocals or something. And he'd always be like, no, like it can't be that. Like the verse is the verse. The hook can't be the verse too. And I was like, man, Raekwon does that, and he was like, nah, dude. Like, he he does that because he does that. No, like that's that's what makes him special. Like, Method Man doesn't do that. You know, Old Dirty doesn't do that. I was like, you're right. So, what, being around him like early on, I was a better rapper than him, like lyrically. But then he was like a better like performer, like flow, hooks. And so I was like, okay, like how do I get into his world with that? And then my next group I was in, in that group my friend was like the lyrical dude like the heavy lyrical dude i was like Mm -hmm. okay then i gotta be like the hook guy in this group and then over time he started getting really good at hooks too so it was always like something you're aware of and to improve on for me it's not like a natural thing whereas now when like lyrics and songs pop in my head from other people i'm always like man that should have been the hook for this song man (laughs) like why did you lead that in the verse and then I even kind of cheated, like when we did, um, what was, um, Prem on 96 mentality. I'm wearing a shirt. It's hilarious. Prem. We did a song called Paul Newman produced mm-hmm. by disco Vietnam. And the hook is like feeling like Paul Newman, is like doing what him does if he's there for the doing. Um, and he said that on the first career crooks album on a song called newlywed. And I was always, I like he, I, that phrase was always in my mind. So I was mm-hmm. like, Prem, Use that, that two bars from Career Crooks and do that as a hook on this new song, you know. What I mean, I was like, that should be the hook, like, that's the catchiest thing you say. Mm. So he was like, All right, let's do it. So then that became the song Paul Newman. Um, so I always hear that, like, I'll hear phrases people say, and I'm like, That's a chorus, you know. What I mean, like, I'll, I'll see people tweet stuff, and I'm like, That's a hook, bro. Like, I'm always like, Because <laughs> that's the part that's memorable, you know. What I mean, like, mm-hmm. it, it makes the song pop when there's a break from the heavy lifting of barring out, you know what I mean? Or a concept or a story. And then like you start studying people whose hooks that stick in your head all the time. Like for me, it was always like Kanye or like Mikey rocks Mm. or like Q-tip or Busta, like slum village. They would have those, you know what I mean? It's like, why, why is that always in my mind? Like what, what is their formula? Like how do they map this out or Dilla Dilla had great hooks. You know what I mean? It's like, that to me is like harder to do than just spit twelve bars or sixteen bars or something, you know what I mean? Or even like Camp Low, like you know, this is it. What Luchini yeah. born from the sky? Let's get rich. What let Mother get done. Then generally,
0: it, just but. as performers, they had from like even in the verses, like they clearly had an uh, an ear for like what's catchy because obviously, like the right. flow is like another fucking plan. And,
1: and all the rhymes yeah. are
2: like indecipherable, like Bronx fly seventies exoticness. Where like no yeah. one could spit their bars, but everyone knows the hook. Mm -hmm. and so it's like you know if you're from the bx connect sugar come on if you're from the QB sugar come on like get the break and then the rest of the verse can be about you know sarsaparillas and (laughs) zanzibars those dudes are the best you know what i mean but like the hook is the juicy part
0: Mm -hmm. i find like uh like obviously the underground these days like it's so much more common now to get to get music that does not have hooks because before right. that, but I, I'm I'm hoping we kind of get like a market correction because that tends to happen mm. in music. Like yep. there's a trend, everybody goes super hard in it. And then some people start to like be subversive where they actually do try to focus on, let's make some good hooks too. And artists like yourself, even I'm seeing in some artists that I, that are just like kind of popping off now, like even Luca, um, mm. he had like a crazy 2021. I remember, I know his last album, that was one of my biggest takeaways that the other album had like zero hooks. I think it actually Mm -hmm. had no hook for the entire 40 (laughs) minutes. And then this one, it's uh, about an hour long and every song mostly has a hook. And it was like, damn, you can actually and he like really killed it, too. And I was like, that's interesting to like kind of like subvert that norm, because I thought he'd just be one of those artists that like doesn't doesn't do the hook thing, which is cool, but like, right. Cool. It's cool. I hope you're right about the subversion. like
2: like the whole the whole indie world, like the last three, four years, there were they were rebelling where if all major label rap and rap people hear the entire song is a hook, yeah, then I will do no hooks, which mm-hmm. is smart. Like to zig when people are zagging. But then and to me, it's like, okay, now we're getting too far into that place to where, mm-hmm. like, for me, stove god hooks, like once reasonable drought hit, Ooh. I was like, dude, I can't go back to this stuff anymore. When he's like, Yo, I'm gonna take that style you're doing over the rock morrissey beats and then do you know rose rose break lights i'm just yeah. trying to be special i'm like he's rapping better than you on beats you would pick doing hooks yeah. you know what i mean like and being funny i'm like he's the evolutionary me next step like he's the, the market correction that's a good the other point. way. yeah,
0: yeah. I, I see that i see that he's he's yeah i'm really psyched to hear when he drops another solo record because yeah he's been like the hook guy he's been like a nate dog of griselda for the last like year now he's on everything once he came
2: out dude it's hard for me to want to listen to a conway album on the way or a benny album or west side like because he adds that element like they built that that like they walked up those steps Mm -hmm. you know i mean like went, went up a thousand step buddhist monastery off a mountain and then he just like was on in their backpack the whole time. He just jumps off their shoulders, like okay, mm-hmm. I made it too. Thanks, thanks for yeah. doing that. I'm here. And so for me, it's like he he gives you just that one more piece to make it even more sizzling. You know what I mean? Versus mm-hmm. okay, like here's the, the the scary piano roll with no drums, and like you just doing two verses with really nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's just kind of like the snake eating its tail. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um when you were talking about like feedback before I, I found something interesting from when I spoke to Castro lat late last year, when we interviewed mm-hmm. him, he, he mentioned that it's pretty common for you guys to like send over your records to like your other wrecking crew members to just like get feedback prior to right. the release to just get the pick their brains kind of thing. And I found that really cool. Um, Definitely. I'm curious, like, what do you feel like, is there anything particular that you think you get from certain members of the crew? Like, I'm I'm just saying small pro. He's the producer. So like maybe he come, you come to him for like, oh, how are these beats sounding? Or Castro for album sequence, the track sequence. Do you have any particular things from the artists that you like, you go to particularly
2: Hmm. for? It's a great question. Like, like who specializes in what? Um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious because you guys all
0: have like, obviously impeccably talented,
2: but I'm sure there's something. Yeah. It's, it's just more like, you know, it's like, Quality control again from people you trust because they're going to say, like, they're looking out for you to be like, Hey, man, I think this is a blind spot. Like, you didn't catch this. And again, mm-hmm. I'm saying it out of love, you know? Or have you considered maybe adding this person to the song or like putting this song last instead of in the middle? So it's more just like general brainstorming. um We it, honestly, like, we're all of us just have so many more things happening all the time, whether with each other or separately, to where it's not as is not as common as it was maybe like in 2018 hmm. 2017 or something like that we just have so many things happening where we forget or sometimes we're working with a label or sometimes there's another producer involved or somebody else um but we can we we hear things in stages and then like like i remember like when human zoo i heard the first draft of human zoo and i was like given it sound elastic like man this is this song absolutely goes crazy like this song but maybe this one you may want to cut these three you mm-hmm. know because I mean? he asked he was like just give us your honest feedback so far and i was like me and kasha were like these three I, I just don't think fit this album like i think they're cool but it's it's redundant like you've already hit these these concepts yeah and then the final version of human zoo when it came out months later is remarkably different and way better i was like
3: damn
2: yeah so i was like blown away i was like this is not the same record um so it's cool to hear Stuff like that, you know, when when you hear things in progress and then the final version, versus like even like the Andrew album, which I just put out yesterday. Like, oh, dope, really liking it. um Oh, thanks, dude. Like that, even that. Like I was talking to the last guy, I, he didn't, he hadn't even heard it, you know what I mean? Until and I forgot to send. It. I'm like, oh, I just forgot to send you. You know, he's doing Andrew before all of us. So it's like sometimes you just <laughs> mm. get in that world. Like I just forget to loop people in. Other times I'm like, yo, I really want you to hear this because I'm stuck or i think you know you giving me feedback would really write the ship so it's kind of like case by case now but i don't really go to um i don't think it's like like you're saying like a specialized thing i think it's more like the floor is open you know what i mean mm-hmm. anybody could say whatever they want about the arrangement mm-hmm. or the mix or who should feature or what what songs you should cut or whatever and and again like not every time people heed that advice but it's available and people do listen which is great yeah. like we're, we're over that stage in our careers and our lives like being sensitive or being mad like oh i don't yeah. care don't kasha why are you so mean to me about you always <laughs> say that to me like we're past that or like prim just saying that because he he don't want me to outshine him like if we were like yeah. 24 now that, that 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 was like how we all were you know just like insecure dudes but we're just like you know you're you're one you're my one you're you're an amazing artist and a friend of mine like i'd be stupid out there so. yeah yeah no, that's good. That's
0: good. And I feel like 20, 2021 was like, a just a, felt like a level up, like everybody's mm-hmm. art, like everybody's album just felt like, oh, this is their best shit. And like you, you had two entries into that, Prem. That's like, nice. I mean, and it was the common, like, and everybody was saying that it was like, not just my opinion. It was, it was crazy. Human Zoo, great, fucking Friends record, your record, right. Castro's record. Like, it's wild, wild. Thanks, man. So I want to get to Career Crooks now, because sure. dope album, obviously, and I again a really dope name, not really of the record, uh, but of the of just your group. I find that mm. super cool. What is the meaning of like Career Crooks? I think I've heard you explain this one time, but I'm not exactly okay. sure. So yeah, sure. Like, what what does Career Crooks mean?
2: I mean, I just was listening a lot of Jay Z on and um on So Ghetto, which is like one of my favorite songs ever. You know, Career Crook, nobody read Brooklyn like me. Jacob man value three i'm back looking like me and so when me and small pro were making the first album i was like i was really big on names i was like we need to name this it can't just be like zilla rock and small pro like it should be something like run the jewels you know what i mean like that could have just been called lp and mike the album you know what i mean um and so for me and him i was like if we have a name it's it makes this different like it makes it a real thing not just like you did all the beats, I do all the raps, you're solo, I'm solo. Yeah. So when we were looking for names, I was listening to Jay and I told him, I was like, yo, that just sounds good. Like the alliteration and like career. To me, it was like, as being in hip hop, like we steal, <laughs> like, that's the point. Like mm-hmm. everything we do is dangerous. Like whether it's yeah. like the low lifes in New York stealing polo or like, you know, Vanilla Ice stealing, you know what I mean? <laughs> David Bowie and Queen that's what rap is. Like we, we, we identify things in other cultures and genres and be like, this is the best part of that. i am taking it. It's mine. Mm -hmm. And so I I thought about small pro where he's always loved taking famous samples and putting his own spin on it. And then like, when I, you know, his name, small professor, like Jesus Christ. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I felt like for us, it just made a lot of sense to run, to run with it. And, and I just thought it was cool. And then, um, once once he got on board with it like my man just just fca shots to him he did the artwork for the first album he did the, the the eps we did the remix project he did this like he was he ran with it by putting the logo like once he heard that name he created the logo with the nice. skulls and all this and then the merch did really well for the first album where i was like wow and so to me it became like okay like this is a thing now like my vision connected like it needs to be its own pairing not just like the same thing with shrapnel like shrapnel mm-hmm. could have just been called curly Castro and but they wanted it to be something like separate and, and and but when you hear that name you're like i know what that is now like i know these guys yeah. separately i know the larger crew but like i know what that is when they're plugged in and so that's that's kind of like something we always love to do you know so like castro and me have like griff company me and, and then castro and smalls are like blue edwards like I mean, yeah. Alaska, Cargo Cults, like it's always going to be that. So it's I find that like, really this cool. is a separate thing.
0: It's like nice. it definitely like it's a, just a good for like branding. It just makes it seem like something. And it's also cool to be like as as I was kind of getting into more wrecking crew music last year, mm. that was a nice surprise to be like, wait, who's Cargo Cults?" And I'm like, oh, <laughs> interesting. And then like, I just right. kept noticing like, damn, you guys really do this all the time. And it's funny, Castro actually like I didn't ask him this question, but when he was just talking about shrapnel about whatever we were talking about, um he got into like how he like decided to work with Prem on this. And he said the exact same thing pretty much as you said, which is like, right. you don't want it to just be uh, curly caster and prem rock. Right. You want it to make it something. So I can see like, the You wanted to feedback be you want it the... to be
2: arm and hammer. Yeah. You see, like arm and hammer means something to people now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I I knew them before. When they were first sending Arm & Hammer songs over and like they had just started, I was recording those sessions with Castro for like race music mm. um, and and uh, half measures. Like before they came out, I'm like, oh, these dudes are linking up. This is like a thing.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was like, this is going to be crazy. You know what I mean? I was like, whoa. And then, you know, nine, 10 years later, like, you know, these dudes sell out, do whatever they want and work with everybody. We're all, you know, lusting for.
3: Mm-hmm. But
2: again, it's like, if it was Billy Woods and Elucid, it's like, you know, it's still cool. I just think it's like, um, I just think it's, I think there's, there's more power in names than people give credit to. Yeah. You know what I mean, like again, like really Run the do Jewels, do. like mm-hmm. Run the Jewels means something to a lot of people versus like LP and Killer Mike. You know, like
0: yeah, like
3: you them. couldn't,
2: you
0: couldn't make like they're obviously the trademark, uh, whatever thing, either Run the Jewels <laughs> stuff. Like you couldn't even do that if it was Killer Mike and right. LP. You
2: could. It's just yeah, like here's L E L. <laughs> yeah. You know, like it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, Mike, you know, okay I I can't do that with your hands. You're right. You need the hand yeah. gestures for Brandon.
1: Won't be on a rookie deal forever. Get my cheddar out the safe. I've been a rapper, Somniac, two-door Pontiac. Rims gleaming, ragtop, Pontiac. Stoic like Connie Mack. Cleaner than a Bangkok laundromat. Approach me while I'm trenched up in bad luck. Uh, kiss the spider woman, Charlie Baltimore. Stand up, fan. Touch my hands, spread that ghost in them. Rum's got the coconut. Shooting dagger flows with the cloak in them. Frustration, Hold my intention. The cop shot the kid, but he won't lose pension. Sensors
0: used to play defenses. I didn't check my shitty friends. I used to treat the girls like possessions. Regret. So, how, how did you uh, meet Small Pro? Like, how did you guys first connect?
2: Um, we back when like blogs were first first hitting in like 2005 through seven or something like that i was just trying my best to get on blogs and like reaching out to people and sending them like mailing them my cd in the mail and shit. and uh he was like the first other philly person i saw that was like in those spaces and i was like mm-hmm. who is this dude and then uh I, I met him at a show um and then we just kicked it and i was like yo like we should work And he had just put out a a remix album called Crooklyn Gangster where he put on, he remixed um, Mm Jay-Z, American Gangster. And then I started like doing a science on his beats and I was like, whoa, like this is very rappable." And so he would just send me joints and then I was just like working on them quick. And so he was the first person I was like really working with. And uh, so then after we started doing that, it was like, he started getting more involved with all of us and on his own and just staying prolific getting busy and after years and years i was always like man like i always do shows and i always have like two or three small pro beats in the set like mm-hmm. always um and so then after a while you know then we started a group and everything but he was when he and i connected i was like i got all of his references like <laughs> the beat titles samples he was picking i'm like i know what you're doing like i mm-hmm. i see through this bro like i get it okay we're, we're meant to be friends and work so it's been uh, it's been a long time, but he's, he's, it's just, it's just easy, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. it, should, it should be effortless, you know what I mean. It's just sometimes like his stuff will throw me for a loop, but most of the time I'm like, I know what to do with this, you know what I mean. And like I, it's, it, yeah,
0: I think I think the the career <laughs> this latest career crooks album, I feel like I've listened to a lot of small pro beats over the years, but this this one. Like he did push you into some like new places, and I and I hear the famous samples thing. You said he like he likes to do that. There yeah. are some, but yeah. man, the the flips. There's some wacky beats on here, and I think just really really hit. Like I think this is my favorite batch of small pro beats. Like hundred oh, percent. Wow. Like I, I was very impressed.
2: I think it's his. I think it's his yeah. too, because he kept saying like all the lag time it took from when we initially like wrapped up everything to when it came out. To hit him up, I'm like, dude, what's going on, man? Like, why, why is this taking so long? And he would just say, Yo, because when I'm done with this, like the amount of work I'm gonna put into this, like this is gonna be my favorite produced thing I've done. You know what I mean? Like this is it. And so he took that time to do some beat switches and interludes and take some things out. Like that was all him, like all the vocals were done. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was he was spent a lot of time just mixing, like learning how to mix his own stuff the way he wanted it to sound. He had like some up and down experiences with engineers, so this one he was like, Let me dedicate the most time to my stuff because I want to be the most proud of it. And so, uh, whenever he hears this, I'll, I'll text him and we're done. But that's that was like his main objective was yeah, and the transitions, the little,
0: little song detours, like the flow that that was like all those details were mm-hmm. um very like alchemist esque. Because, like, when I think about a record that's done that recently, that just felt like it was just perfect little bits of dialogue or like the mm-hmm. song like i'm thinking of haram because like that was my mm-hmm. biggest thing that i was super impressed with the alchemist that he just did such a great job with that um what is what do you what do you love so
2: much about a small pro
0: beat like what, what resonates with you like in his style
1: his style is just like
2: very dynamic like his like there's beats i, I made there's beats other producers sent me where it's like it's just kind of plotting or like it doesn't it has like an element that's cool but nothing Gives you like an emotional reaction to do something and mm-hmm. his beats his beats always have movement you know what i mean it's like it's like um you know what i mean it would be like if you go to a graveyard right you go to a graveyard it's not a lot happening but if you went to a graveyard and there was like squirrels running around and like birds flying you're like okay like there's life here you know what yeah, i mean things are yeah. moving like like literally things are happening so with his stuff it's like he's his his music to me has always just been him and, and Disco Vietnam, like the most eminently rappable joints where I don't have to sit there and be like, what is this beat about? Like, what would I write? What's the song telling me? Like, where? The, sometimes you have to do that, like, if you really want to make something different. But mm-hmm. his stuff is, always, there's always like an urgency and, and like a charge to like a punch. Yeah. Like his yeah. shit is like a punch yeah. in the gut. It's always hitting. Even the beats I don't pick, they still hit. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, You know, and maybe like the the way he chops a sample or like where the baseline is or something, you know, and and he'll go anywhere. Like he's done Lex Luger beats. He's done like Weird Time Signature beats. He's done beats with no drums, beats with crazy drums, manipulated when he and his brother is a drummer. Like he's just he's hit every style there is to hit, but it has like his signature to it. So uh, like in this era of like no drums, I'm always telling like you got to be the drum guy. You gotta yeah. like stand up, be like, "I'm the best drummer." Always guy. got the what?
0: drums, man. He's always got like, the drums,
2: right? Like yeah. own that when the more like you said, when the market's like course correct, and be like, "Okay, I'm the guy. I'm the best drummer." You don't even do drums. I make the best drums.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Um. Uh. W- one thing. One of my favorite tracks on this on this album is the is with the logic Dame Dash taught me. Um. Mm-hmm. A-, a blueprint. A blueprint. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Fuck. My bad. Cool. I was getting. I don't know why I got that mixed up. Um. Oh, it's because I was listening to, okay, that's super random sidetrack. I just was listening to, I was listening lovers. to a Logic's album like yesterday. Um, so good. Yeah. Yeah, John's banging. Um, but no, that track is fucking dope as shit. And mm-hmm. uh, what you're talking about, what you both are talking about is super interesting and I think really, really impactful. And I'm just thinking like just generally in our time of like COVID, obviously, but just in the general age of streaming, it's a kind of treacherous terrain for a lot of indie artists at least that's how they they would take it or at least some right. people would take it and i've noticing and i'm sure you have like the DIy self-sufficient approach to making music and your career is becoming so much more popular and do you do you find that's a positive trend or do you feel like it's more like all right this is what you gotta do to a necessary evil to like stay afloat
2: I mean, I'm, I'm in a different space than most indie artists where like I've, music has never been my full time job. I mm-hmm. wanted it to be for a decade plus. Like, I, That was my goal was to live off music. It just never lined up for me like that. And so the good news is that because it's not, when I do work on it and the marketing side, the creative side, you know, the production side, it's like my favorite thing to do. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's like how they always say, like, like the biggest innovations in technology have come from people that worked in the company, but on the weekends and at nighttime, they're spending all their time working on this other thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing they like. And so for me, music's that way. And I think like this pairs in 2021 is the most money I ever made off music ever, like four that's times. Great, man. You know what I mean? That's great. And what was different was like no shows, I did one show, but there was the amount of product we put out, there was the amount of value we created with the show with consulting artists with variety of releases on a lot of different platforms it was just more like how do you give people enough value to make them want to keep supporting you and so yeah. just put out one album i mean you could do that uh just working on a podcast you could you could do that there's a lot of stuff like and we're not the only ones you know like people do like twitch and discord and there's so many more communities but i feel like once you can create your community and you can give them enough things that are really useful and valuable to them, then you can start being like, okay, how do I create revenue streams from this? And mm-hmm. so what Dame Dash taught me is like, you know, Blueprint's the master. Like, we we all study him. We worship him. He's our homie. But it's like, he he's like the pioneer, bro. He's a, he's like the first dude to go west and find a gold mine. Like, he's that guy being like, oh, there's gold out here. Hello. I'll show you how to come get it if you want to listen. And so he, having him on that record, it was like, he and I is just mutual love for Dame Dash, who is just like, Yo, it's I'm going to tell you all the ways to be self sufficient. I'm going to give you a, a pathology to be like, I want to hustle to support people I love. And that's it. You know what I mean? It's not like about shining or being like, Yo, look at this thing I bought. It's like, I took that money and then put it into this thing. And then that thing can make me money three years from now. And then this can set up my family. And so, like, that's it's like being an owner. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And I say this to everybody, like, this is true for you too. You have in your podcast, you are a small business owner. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whatever whatever you feel about that, that's true. You're in charge of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, it's your business. And so what do you want to do with that? And so I think like Wrecking Crew, we have a business model. Like co Culture has a business model. Me and my label, $3 Pistol, John Wizard, everybody I'm cool with, they have a, a, what what works best for them. And then how do I fine tune it and make it better? And I think COVID's given us a lot of time to become like better students because yeah. like how we plan on doing 2020 none of it worked for anybody in any capacity so like how do you adapt like what are you going to do instead and we're, we're really lucky because we have the internet we have smartphones <laughs> we have email we have twitter tiktok podcast we have so many things zoom like it's great to have all these things and people want it and like it and as long as you keep giving it to them and they're consistent again like giving people value, I feel like they're going to reward you with that. And, and then you've got to keep finding new ways. And we, we say, like, on the Dame Dash joint, like, you would always talk about the octopus method. Like, you got to be able to get things eight ways. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like, sadly, like, people learned after COVID. Like, if your only way to survive was, like, having one job, mm-hmm. and that job's gone, what else are you going to do? You know what I mean? Yeah. So now people are like, I'm not going back to work. I'm starting an Etsy page. I'm not going back to work. I'm going to be on TikTok all day making content. I'm not Mm -hmm. going back to work. I'll do DoorDash. I'll flip furniture. Like everyone started realizing, like, just having one means isn't enough. You know what I mean? It's like, unless you could, you know, make like serious paper and have low expenses. But like, I think we're all now understanding, like, taking control and being like, I'm going to be in charge. I'm not going to sit back and be like, well, I have this job, so I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, that's the biggest risk is doing nothing.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Like there's, there's no guarantees with anything, like going back to Vegas, Vic, like there is no safety, you know? And I think this has made people realize that. And it's, it's fascinating. It's sad because there's been a lot of, you know, suffering and pain, but it's also been like a big learning lesson for people to be like, yo, yeah, you're right. You know what? Having some stupid job. I didn't care about Anyway, I'd rather do a podcast. And sell. you know, Protein powder. I don't know. <laughs> like whatever it is. Like yeah. Let me do that instead. At least I'm in charge of that. And then once you probably feel that. Like once you start getting success with it, you get addicted to that. Like wow. Like I did that. Like I made. I seen the numbers grow. I seen the money go up. I've seen my reach expand. I've seen mm-hmm. people getting at me more. They weren't doing that five months ago, two years ago. So
0: it's very yeah, think, it's very cool. I think you touched on it. It is that volatility that I think people like really exper- everybody experienced, and it kind of shook people. And they're like, damn. Like you could have lost your job. But even if you didn't, you just realize like, damn, like one, you have a lot more time potentially due Mm -hmm. to like shit being closed. But I think above all, it's that volatility that kind of Mm -hmm. showed people like, yeah, life is literally short. You could literally die from one of these fucking viruses. And it's like, do something with your time. And I find it in a way, I hope that this was a positive in a lot of ways, not just like what we're talking about, but just generally of like, changing mindsets or coming to grips with some realities that have been true forever but you didn't have to face it and we'll we'll see we'll see i think definitely when it comes to the music like i find i'm noticing just people like i I consider you guys just like all like the Wrecking crew crew but especially like the things that you're particularly involved in like the merch Mm -hmm. the merch god like fucking (laughs) like some of that shit you have is just like like actually looks amazing like just from a fashion standpoint and that's something that i i think people are realizing is important it's like yeah you want to make money eight different ways like put some style in it it's not just like oh make a generic cd or make a a generic t-shirt that has the album cover it's like cool that can be cool but maybe (laughs) put some like little sauce on it and it may (laughs) resonate you gotta
2: sell the sizzle not the steak you know what i mean you can get steak anywhere why 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 would i come to your place for steak what is it
1: I'm riding shotgun with Crazy Johnny We're in his brother's car It's 4pm man, it's winter time It's hella dark I told him slow down You're driving through a school zone And we don't want it hot His brother moves on And we only get one shot Just like Root Home too
0: Um, The last kind of like idea Like uh, aspect of this record That I want to get into Is just the idea that It's one producer, one rapper This is a model that at least from my vantage point has like, wasn't as prominent in like the, in like the two thousands, uh, like that 2000 to 2009. And then right. I do feel like run the jewels was a notable moment. Cause they got so really? fucking huge. And right. I feel like ever since then, it's also coincided with me, like really getting into music. So that's definitely a reason, but that right. model has gotten so popular now. And I love it. I, te- I just always just- jump to a record that has one producer, one rapper. It's just, Personally, I just expect certain things, it'll be more cohesive, it'll have like a, a personality and all that stuff. But why right. Why do you think that has kind of popped off in recent years, if I, you think I it mean, has at all?
2: Yeah, if you think about the imaginations of the industry, right, um, it, for the longest time, like in the 80s and 90s, it was one producer. Like, it was always mm-hmm. that way. It was this guy and this guy, you know? Like, that's showbiz and AG. Like, the, it was like one producer, Pete Rock and CL Smooth. Gangstar. It was like that for years. Like Run DMC was like in-house. I mean, it wasn't just JMS for J, but like it was like an, always like an in-house thing. And then once Nas came with Illmatic it was like, oh, we can put like the the producer from Tribe Qual Quest next to the producer from Gangstar, next to the producer from Main Source. We yeah. can put all these guys on an album. Holy shit. So then everyone tried to do like the that type of style to have the best people. Whereas like Wu Tang was like Riz is doing all the beats. You know what I mean? Like it's he's in the group. So after after Nas hit and like Biggie hit, like Biggie had like the bad boy producers. They were like in-house, but it was a bunch of people. And then his second album, he had like Riz on his album. He has Havoc. He has KG from You by Nature. It was like star studding out the track listing. Mm-hmm. And all those people had their own hits and their own style. So then it became like that wave for years. And I remember like when 50 Cent and G Unit were the biggest things out there was a whole sub economy of like, how do producers get placed on a Dipset album? How do you get a placement on young bucks album? Mm -hmm. How do you get? So then there was a whole other feeder system of like those dudes being like, we're not going to pay Timbaland or Pharrell $80,000 for a beat. We can just get this dude from Nova Scotia who made one hot beat in his life and give him two grand Mm -hmm. and boom, I get money from 50. That's just like some guy made that beat, right? Yeah. Then it became like them of cutting costs <laughs> to not pay the superstar producer and get like, if you made a thousand beats in your life, but you made the one hottest beat and no one knows you,
3: mm-hmm. I
2: could just give you whatever you're going to take it because you're a yeah, nobody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Versus like Kanye's going to want 80,000 off top and he's going to mm-hmm. want to the publishing. He's going to want to be in the bit. Like there's a lot of stipulations. So now once the industry fell apart and everything collapsed, people could just go back to being like, I like this guy's beats. No one's pushing me to have to work with hot producer at the moment. He and I just had the best chemistry. Like, let's just do it. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's pretty like even Nas, Nas and Hit Boy. They got three albums, just them three. But Nas's entire career was working with 10 album. I mean, uh, 10 producers on 14 songs forever for 25 years. Mm -hmm. So even he got into a place of like, if that doesn't matter, and I just vibe with this guy, and I could just put out my own albums whenever I want. I don't need Def Jam being like we really want you to work with you know this person who yeah. has four hits we really would prefer you do that and he's like no I'm gonna have hit boy and that's it so I think it's like and the best part is from a producer standpoint is you get to find out who the producer is when he gets to he or she gets to do 14 joints 11 joints yeah, versus exactly. like two you know what I mean or one and so like you get to see what their ideas are and like where they can go and what they're it's kind of like their part of the conversation. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's like, it's like having like a two hour discussion and you get to hear this person talk for an hour versus two minutes. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, if I'm, if I'm going to do the most talking, cause I'm the rapper, I get an hour, small pro gets an hour because he's, yeah. he's the other, he's the other element of sound versus like Vegas Vic, which was scattered. You know what I mean? But that was the point. It was like trying to find people that can give me sounds I liked. Um, but like, again, disco Vietnam was the voice in the room being like, yeah, it still had like a consistent something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I think having those partnerships is great because it gets to show off the producer and then the rapper who has the the chemistry with them. It's just a win-win for everyone. You know what I mean? It's like, it's It's fantastic, you know? And and again, I've done records with a lot of producers. I've done records where I've done, there's a lot of ways to do it, but I feel like once you have that, you're stupid to... (laughs) move off of it just because Mm -hmm. you want to pilot a track listing like that doesn't make sense anymore
0: and i i find like as a fan too like when i think of like my favorite producers like that's something that i always go back to to think like do they have like if i want to like listen to a particular producer like i do that sometimes i'm like damn do they have like one album that i can just play that they did all of it like For me personally, that really matters because there's some great producers that don't have like a, maybe they linked up with like a not the greatest rapper or they just don't have an album that they fully produce. Like it matters. I'm just like, I find I just don't go back to it. Like I don't go back to their music as much. Like I love it if one producer has at least something that I go back to, like Dilla obviously had his own shit, but as a producer, I can go to Like Water for Chocolate. I can go to Fantastic Volume 2 and I just can get him. I, I, that matters to me.
2: Right. Yeah. Because again, you just, you're, you allow them to have a voice at the table rather than like a hot three minutes. Like like we were talking about Alchemist in our last episode where it's like when he was placing hot beats on people's albums, he had like anthem type of beats where it's like, he's got, he's in a room, he's got to sell somebody in 10 minutes on why they should buy his beat with their budget versus now it's like currency's going to hang on my sofa for two months here's all the shit yeah, I got. Exactly. You know what I mean like he could just swim in these beats and it doesn't whatever he, Boldy Boldy James we could just hang out every day for two and a half months and then we'll we'll pick the best 12 moments and that's it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that approach. Um uh what was he going to say? Oh, I forgot it. Um God oh, damn, what was I going to say? No, we're just talking about the alchemist um yeah you know yeah one person yeah i was just thinking of one producer when i was thinking of someone that like i feel like they're they missed that in their career but is also generally like a great producer is he's produced a lot of more like pop r&b but timbaland i just wish he would have made one hip-hop record front to back produced it with like a like a rapper that's dope i feel Mm -hmm. like that would have been amazing like And I feel like I wish we got that because he's done like the closest thing. If I want to Tim Bland beats, I'd go to fucking future sex love sounds. Like I think he produced the majority of that. Yeah, That's a great album, but I wish he had a hip hop version because he's great. He
2: he has the one. I have a CD still. It's called like Tim's, it's called like either Tim's bio or Tim's basement. It's like a compilation album. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a compilation. Yeah. Yeah. Like Jay-Z, and Shrimp. Um, Oh, he did the, he didn't do the whole, the second Bubba Sparks album deliverance he did a lot of that but he didn't do the whole thing i think like organized noise has some beats on there uh but the best beats like the timbaland beats on the Bubba sparks um mm-hmm. who else you're right like he really should have just done a jay album at this yeah point. like
0: or just like a like a dope rapper of the time like done anything yeah. like that that would have been that would have been good because like, like he's a guy i don't i don't listen to a lot even though i always like his beats like he's great so really it's the missy
2: albums dude the missy albums like construction's crazy um even they're a super duper fly but those have like a lot of r&b moments in them which are cool Um, yeah yeah Yeah. he he never he has he'll do like four to five on someone's album but then he doesn't finish it Mm -hmm. off like he has a couple on the one like uh ll album called like it's called like the definition or something like that Mm -hmm. where it's like 80 it's like 80s beats through the timbaland ear that are really dope. The same thing with those messy records. He has a Timbaland and Magoo albums, which I love. Um, but like Magoo is, you know, not everybody's cup of tea. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's my fun. cup of tea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um,
0: okay. La- last thing I want to talk about is just the podcast that obviously you're a host yeah. of. So, host of Call Up Culture, definitely one of my favorite podcasts for, for oh, rap nice. content. I'm just curious, like, what has that experience been for you? jumping into the whole podcast space and talking about hip-hop from that kind of like not media but i guess kind of Mm -hmm. media lens like how's that been for you what have you learned
2: it's been great man i mean i was when i went to college i was doing like radio i was doing like cutting tape like literal tape on radio and like putting it together with tape and spooling it together to like do radio so I was learning, you know, pro tools. I was doing all that stuff like being in studio. So to me, it's like doing that again for school. But I just do it every week now. It's like it's the same thing. I'm like setting up my mic, like making sure it's correct, like all the edits and stuff we do. And so from the technical side and creative side, it's like really fulfilling to me because I was doing this 20 years ago as a young man. Um, and I think on our end, it's just like I think we got something special because we don't like we don't stick to like just nineties rap or like just independent rap from two thousands or just whatever. I feel like we'll go anywhere with it. Cause that's what we're into. You know what I mean? And there's mm-hmm. some, some topics we veto, some of them we'll table for later. Sometimes people request stuff. We're like, nah, like that's not even really interesting. Like you can get 25 other podcasts talk about that. Um, so I think like it's refreshing because we're all just really honest and genuine. Like. And again, like we have that trust with each other as friends where sometimes we get super hot with each other and heated, like listen to Castro and me going at it on the Odd Future episode. You know what I mean? You're like Castro and Elastic going at it on the Nas episode. But that's come, but those are like that's what happens when you have like heated debates with people that love rap. Like that happens yeah. all the time. You know what I mean? At a show yeah. or like in your friend's house or like after the show or at the barbershop. Like that's how people get. But you know at the end of the day, it's like, yo, know, like we're just doing it because we love it. So it's, it's interesting to me just to see as the show has progressed, you know, we're we're like getting close to 150 episodes. It's like, uh, people, um, people like support it financially, which is crazy. And I love it. And then people also will be like discovering it at different times and then backtracking and listen to episodes. Like a lot of feedback I get from people is like, people discovered it during COVID. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. even that time, just to escape from something like, want to hang out with a couple people you know to me that's what podcasts really are it's like if you don't really like the hosts or you know like why would you listen it's like it's yeah. a way just to. it's like hanging out you know what i mean it's like i feel like people get to know us from that space whether they like our music or not but i think like we promote the music on the show you know it's a big vehicle for our our, our records like point blank but i feel like um none of it means anything if we weren't just really honest all the time. You know, mm-hmm. like we, we had blueprint on talk about that once, and blueprint was like the whole key is just not give a fuck what anybody thinks. Like that's it. They can complain and comment on SoundCloud or Twitter, or you wherever mm-hmm. they want. But like I'm just gonna do it if, if you if you don't like it, go make your own show because all the tools are there. You can make your own
3: show. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You
2: you got a show, which is great. So it's like there's more and more shows pop up all the time. Like I, I like your show, I like Real Notes with Cinema Masai, like yeah, You know, I, I love it, that. it's great. You know, It's like Dan O has is fantastic. You know, like Breaking Adams dudes. I like them a lot. You know, Crate 808, Dad Bod. You know, Next Movement, my man Rob. Like, dude, me and Rob from Next Movement, we were in class together in college Damn, doing radio. No That's how no we way. know each other. You know what I mean? But he and I were doing this in 2003, 2004, like in studios on to be graded, like learning That's all this wild. shit. So it's like for he and I to do this stuff now, it's like, you know like we're like ringers, like this shit is easy to us because we did it but um all the tech is there to make it super easy and you know just being lifers you know i think that's the point it's like if you're if you're a lifer you're gonna love it you know what i mean <laughs> even if you unbelievably disagree with something i say or Castro says or alaska like we're coming from it from like deep love and understanding and knowledge to be like hey man this is how i feel i'm here i'll explain why i feel this way and you don't even have to like it but you can understand me so, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember the initial question. I'm just
0: rambling. No, 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 no Just generally, you covered it. Uh, <laughs> no, I love the, I love that's the thing with your show is like the brash honesty. It's like, I for you, like I go to certain podcasts and like YouTube, I'll add into this for different reasons. Some, I do go for more of like a straightforward, concise kind of vibe for like reading right. like rap content, for example, like reviews and stuff. But I feel like you guys remind me a lot of like dead end hip hop. Are you familiar with them?
2: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to, like, to Michael.
0: That's yeah, what. Michael. Yeah, yeah, and that's what. Uh, that's what I remember. I always used to love when I first got into them. It's just like I felt like I was hanging out with people and right. talking about hip hop, and they love it, and it's fun. And you right. never really know what people are gonna say. You might disagree, like being like, "That's the right. wackest opinion," or "That's the weirdest <laughs> shit I've ever heard." Like, uh, but I love that. I like the friction. I like the 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 idea that you don't know what you're gonna like hear today. When they talk about right. something like, whereas some people are just, like, You're gonna love this, you're gonna not
2: love this. Why do we even watch it to begin with? Exactly. Like if everyone just agreeing, it's like, oh, yeah, that's a good album. Yep, I think so too. Mm-hmm. All right, show's over. You know what I mean? Like, yeah yep, it's cool. Yep, I think it's cool too. All right, see you later. Like two-minute episodes, they'd be great. But like we, you know when we butt heads on certain things, or when we do like lineage of greatness, where we're just like here's why we're going to spend an hour and a half talking about why we all love this person. And, and we'll acknowledge like the flaws or the, the missteps. Cause that's, that's being honest too. We're not going to be like, Oh man, you know, um, Jay-Z got like a flawless record or like, wow. You know, uh, Rayquan man, he just, everything he does is great. It's like, well, he's mm-hmm. great. He has some missteps cause we're fans and we're, and we, and we're artists. So it's like, we can hear the missteps, but we can also say like overwhelmingly this person has given me so much joy. Let's celebrate them versus, you know, like, like just me trashing Common for two hours with Sean from The Questions Hip Hop, you know, or like me just trashing Earl a new episode, even though I'm coming from a place of like frustration, mm-hmm. talk about our future with him, but then I'm like glowingly praising Haji and Frank Ocean and all those guys, you know, but, you know, it's like if, if I didn't like that, but that's how I've been talking for years anyway, before mm-hmm. we had a show, like why why would I not do that? You know, so I, I just yeah. feel like being as, like you said, like dead end, like all those dudes, that's how they are, you know, <laughs> And that's how we are. It's super, it's easy. It's, you should just be, it should be a breeze to do this. You know what I mean? Just be you yeah. know, so so basic. Mm-hmm.
0: All right, man. This has been a great conversation. Uh, Thanks, I want to give you one last chance just to talk about any upcoming projects or anything you want to kind of shout out yeah. in 2022.
2: Yeah, no doubt, man. Um, yeah, so the Career Crooks album, I mean, never at peace. I feel like it came out so long ago. It was like two months ago, three months ago. Um, but yeah, we sold out all tapes, mini discs. But you can stream it anywhere. Um, we got we got a nice grip of CDs left, which is great. So our goal is not to just like sell out everything all the time because people discover music over time. So we got mm-hmm. CDs on hand for that if you want to support it that way. You can stream it on Spotify, Apple, wherever you like. Um, that record's out with me and Small Pro. Vegas Vic CDs, I think, are gone. Maybe tapes are, or one of them's definitely gone. And there's a few vinyl left, but you can stream that everywhere via Chong Wizard Records. Um, that's my last like pure solo. Um, and then getting ready to do this new Cargo Colts record. Um, me and Ray West we're talking, our album's done, so that's gonna probably drop like nice fall. Me and Ray West the LP. Um, and then this Andrew album I just put out. Um, the Ray knows what he's doing, I love it now. I love this guy. Um, it's a really great, record. Like my,
0: really nice, dude. He's
2: yeah. I'm just I just love like not being a part of this record, just except like helping with arrangement and putting it out. like He's such a one man army. I don't need to do anything. Like, I don't need to rap. None of my friends need to be on it. He's just so self-contained, and dope, and like original. And merch on that especially, too. Like,
0: like the, the artistic direction. I didn't <laughs> know he made all that shit. I was like, yeah, he's this great, is so man. beautiful looking. Like, ah like he's he's
2: such a he's such an interesting dude because he's just like head to toe covered in tattoos. But he's like the most like kind, interesting, like original guy. You know what I mean? He could and I was just blown away when I heard his album last year because we, we we knew each other in passing a little bit doing shows, but I locked in with them. So this album, um, like I said, the rain knows what it's doing. I got like four tapes left; they're all, they're about to be gone. We got a nice stack of CDs left though, like the dad hats, the mugs. Like oh, all those hats are so fucking fire. Thanks, my my my, my wife designed the beanie. She just hooked that up real quick. She's like, "Oh, this will this will look good, right?" I'm not like, oh, sure. Yeah, so she laced that. Um, the dad hats were selling really well. And then um he and I got a joint album called um Don't Wait Till I Leave that's gonna probably come out like I don't know man like June maybe May June whenever whenever we want to but you and you, know. you and Andrew yeah so we have an album mm-hmm. so he did all the beats um and then he's rapping on half I'm rapping on all of it and like that's that's more like crew involved so we got like Casher's on the record Rich Jones on the record Alaska's on the record nice. um, who else is on the album. Uh, Wally Clark, I man Wally Clark's in the record. Uh, Wiley Clark's dope, man. His album Goon, dope. people people sleeping on that shit. That yeah, shit I've, been, I've been starting to get into him recently. Ooh. Yeah, that joint and band from All Bars, man, Wally's nasty. Um, trying to think what else. But yeah, so, me, so basically this album was like I wanted to just support somebody and I feel like people listen to me now when I say something's good and I wanted to test it out. I'm like, all right, if I say this is good with somebody that has no affiliation to anybody, and i could just put it out like could that work and it worked mm-hmm. and so i'm excited for he and i's album to drop um he just got me in a good space man like that last year i was just coming off of writing so many things and his beat same thing every beat he sent me i was like oh oh so i just banged that joint out like two months so that that's he, he's
0: gonna di- that's gonna be an interesting record to hear you over because like he he has like really like acoustic. He loves those like acoustic yes. guitars, very like organic. It does not yes. feel very traditional, but nah. it's still got like a pocket and everything to wrap over. It's, it's an interesting style.
2: Oh yeah, it's very much like things I was listening to a lot, just as a fan. You know what I mean? Like whether it's like Krung Bang or like Manhattan Street Band or like El Michael's Affair, or like um, was that dude Sean Lee? Um, just just records I would just play that were kind of like hip hop adjacent. But I just enjoy to listen to like that's what he goes for with these mm-hmm. records so I'm like man so yeah he's he's like my secret weapon man he's just he's an incredible dude so I was really excited to work on that and then um know I mean, what else is going on me and Chong me and Chong just started the new Midnight Suns um like just started and then me and Jason Griff were like four songs into a record so
0: damn we got a lot um, of shit
2: yeah, 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 I'm just trying to spread it out, though. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I like, like, putting out two records a year, I think, is pretty good. But they got to be very different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, like, having Vegas Vic and Career Crooks was a good experiment last year. So then this year, if I do, like, me and Andrew and, like, me and Ray West, like, they're very different records. So that's just kind of, like, my goal is, like, early in the year, end of the year. And then people can take time to digest them or catch up on them if they miss them. Yeah. And uh, that's it, man. And then we're doing the show every week our Culture. And then we got our Patreon you can rock with us on that patreon.com backslash co-op culture podcast and then uh if you rock with castro man you want to help this dude because he's got cybernetic limbs now it's crazy he can like kick through a brick wall at ease um but it it still is challenging you can support all his music you can support the podcast you could hit him up lace him with a couple bucks if you want but whatever you want to do it's it's valuable and we respect it and then he's got a lot of work too so um yeah, that's that's how we wanna do no GoFundMe's. You know what I mean? It's like let's let's be about the art and the music, not just mm-hmm. like you'll know, throw some cash. It's like oh, no, there's, I get some dope,
0: there's some dope stuff uh that they'll put out. I wanted to buy that Kirk Vonnegut uh Prem shirt literally sold Oof. out as I was in checkout. I was like, like the, I'm not getting an XL. No, I'll just uh, do another okay. form of donation. But the medium just, is like literally, up, put, bro.
2: Just bulk what? up, I man. Get some sick gains and some protein. Oh, man.
0: no, man. I, I don't want to. i lose all my. I have to get a whole new wardrobe. Oh, I'm, I'm a medium. I need to stay in that. Um, Oof. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh I mean, man, this has been great. Thank you so this much awesome. for coming on. Really, Love really that. excited to hear that, like, as you said, like your last couple of years have been your most successful. I just, that's just really hope that's just inspirational to other artists hearing this that are I hope so. probably in the beginnings of their careers. So, yeah, really appreciate it. And, yeah Happy man for
2: thanks for having me on Sh- shots to Ottawa man
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know shouts to the senators shots to daniel alfredson shots hey. to um radic Bonk. that's an old wow that's old a old
0: that's now i know you really follow hockey radic Bonk <laughs> is a nice second second line fucking, uh Radek setter maybe Bunk. that was
2: good he was my favorite. i just love looking at his i would always pick him in nhl 96 i'm like this dude's name is radic Bonk.
0: Just he's a great great dude. What is he like sh- Serbian or Russian or something? Oh my like god. Czechos- he's, he's like Czech Republic, something like that. Like-
2: yeah, well that, I'm I'm half Czech, I'm I'm half Czechoslovakian, half Irish, so I always have a soft spot, for him. I'm like, yes. bro, your name is Radic Bonk. <laughs> That's incredible. I loved him so much. Shouts to him. Shouts to the senators just you man thanks for having me hey all right peace out man take care peace
1: never put no money up they never really earned a shit why does every rapper now look like gunplay? jesus doesn't really want you for a sunray my my og's taught me that money goes to money there's no rules omar little clap that on a sunday get your facts back represent like nas over neem baghdad most rap now is just a cash grab it sounds bad So there we
0: have it, another episode of the Rap Music Plug podcast presented by QLC-TV. I hope this episode gave you some new perspectives and insights into what the greatest art form known to man in hip-hop music has to offer. If you want to support the show in the most meaningful way possible, it would be my absolute honor to have you as a patron in the new Rap Music Plug podcast Patreon. Through this Patreon, you will be getting exclusive content such as bonus episodes, exclusive album recommendations, exclusive playlists, early access to episodes, and more. And above all, though, you will be able to support the show directly in a way that will not only justify the crazy amount of time I spend on this show already, but allow me to cover some of the expenses related to supporting all of these great artists that we cover on the show through the website, and will allow us to sustain and build on this amazing growth that the RMPP has experienced recently. Big shout out to Dano of Free Music Empire, Levy, Mahima, Jeff, Fatman Tomb, and Khalid for your generous support through the Patreon. I really appreciate it. So if you have any questions about any of the Patreon stuff or just want to keep tabs on the show, interact with me on rap music and all the great stuff that we can talk about, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at rapmusicplugpod or shoot me an email at qlctv.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on YouTube and Spotify as well. But that's enough self-promotion for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Peace.